my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Hello, and welcome to Washington Post Live. My name is Leanne Caldwell. I'm an anchor here at Washington Post Live and also co-author of the Early 202 Newsletter. On today's edition of Across the Aisle, we are speaking with two key senators who worked for a very long time and very hard on legislation regarding chips manufacturing, science, and technology. That vote, that uh, that legislation just passed a key procedural vote in the Senate this morning. And today we are joined by uh, Arizona Democrat Kirsten Cinema and Indiana Republican Senator Todd Young. Senators, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. So as I just mentioned, uh, this legislation advanced a cloture vote, a procedural vote with the support of 17 Republicans and all but one Democrat or Bernie Sanders who caucuses with the Democrat who is of course an independent. So I'm gonna start with you, Senator Young, on a very, very basic question. There's a lot of people around the country who do not know what chips or microchips is. The core of this legislation spends $52 billion providing subsidies to companies to manufacture microchips in the United States. Can you just explain why this is necessary? Sure. Um, the microchips, basically, uh, they are, are the uh, they're the secret sauce, the internal components that uh, uh, help anything with an on-off switch work these days. Uh, our, our cars are essentially uh, bundles of microchips with tires on them these days. Our, our missile systems wouldn't run effectively if it weren't for the microchips within them. And the United States of America needs um, not only a secure supply of these microchips to make our modern economy work, but we also need to have the manufacturing capacity to produce the highest end chips for national security purposes, uh, because we cannot be dependent on countries like Taiwan or South Korea or, or uh, even communist China in account of, of, of the vulnerabilities associated with their distance from us. And also in the case of, of the communist Chinese, the possibility they might actually interrupt these supplies in the future. So this legislation, the semiconductor component to it, will ensure that uh, we can not only uh, perform high-end uh, cutting-edge research as it relates to semiconductors or, or the production of microchips, but we also have the ability to design and manufacture uh, the most sophisticated uh, chips right here in the United States. Senator Sinema, I mentioned the $52 billion. There's also tax credits uh, for the expansion and the improvement of some of these, uh, the, these production facilities. So after this legislation goes into effect over the years, how many new production facilities do you think will be built in this country? How, how big will the percentage of microchip manufacturing around the world be here in the United States? You know, I think that's really an important question. 
Um, because the reason we've chosen to do this legislation is to ensure that the United States can control its own domestic supply throughout the entire supply chain of creating these microchips. So as Todd was saying, these are like the little brains that live inside of our cars and our phones and our computers and pretty much anything that works with technology. And right now we have to depend on other foreign sources for some of those microchips, including countries like China, which may not have the same you know, values or even qualities of processing that we have. So shortening that supply chain and ensuring that we're making them here in the United States is really important. So our bill, in addition to creating these tax credits to incentivize more of the production in the US, we also create additional tax credits, again, to keep that supply chain within the US. And we know it's already making a marketable difference. For instance, after the chips portion of our bill passed the Senate about a year and a half ago, Intel um, announced a $20 billion expansion of microchip processing in Arizona. Shortly thereafter, the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company announced a $35 billion investment. And those are just two in Arizona. We know that this same investment is happening in states like Ohio and Texas and other parts of the country. So bringing that manufacturing back to the US is good for us, not just from a supply chain issue, but it's more important in, in, in reality to ensure that we're actually controlling these little brains for the future for our own country and that we're not allowing another country um, to control um, those microchips or to control how they're made or the quality of the manufacturing or even some of the national security aspects that go along with that. Um, so while we can't tell you an exact number of what that production will look like in the future in the US, I can tell you that this piece of legislation is the largest investment in our country's history in ensuring that we are taking control of domestic manufacturing and ensuring our national security interests. Senator Sinema, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders is someone who thinks that this is just a major giveaway to already wealthy corporations that don't need the money. What is your response to that? Well, the reality is, is these international corporations can build their microchip processing factories in any part of the world that they want. And we know that both for domestic and economic reasons, it makes sense to do that in the US. But we also know that for national security reasons, it needs to happen in the US so that we can control that entire supply chain from the beginning until the time that that microchip ends up in your phone or in your microwave or in your car or in your computer. And we don't wanna lend that opportunity to other foreign sources that may not have our best interests at heart to control that process. So it actually makes economic and defense sense to do that work right here in the US. Senator Young, same question to you. It's not just Senator Sanders on the left. There's some on the right who say that this is not a free market piece of legislation, that the government is too, in, too involved in it, and also that it is just too expensive for the government to do. What's your reaction? Well, let me let me challenge all of those points. I, I'm grateful uh, for uh, your, your bringing this up. Um, so as it relates to the expense, I mean, I, 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 I'll begin with that. I follow Ronald Reagan's adage, and this is a national security investment, as we've already established. And, and Ronald Reagan uh, used to say often that uh, defense is not a budgetary issue. Uh, you spend what you need. And, and uh, if, if this economy uh, during the course of the pandemic uh, and, and until the present day has demonstrated anything, it's that we need an, an economy that is more resilient. 
Fort Wayne, Indiana is home to a, a large Ford assembly plant. We have several auto assembly plants uh, in the state of Indiana. That one plant alone has idled on two different occasions just in the last year because there's not a sufficient supply of chips. That company, Ford Motor Company, very important uh, to the nation's economy and the, the economy of Indiana, just one example, uh, has seen profits uh, go down 40% uh, in, in, in recent months on account of, lar in large measure, because of this, this chip shortage. So this is impacting really every facet uh, of our uh, highly uh, technical and, and automated economy, and uh, we, we can't ignore this problem. We need to have some domestic sourcing, and, and that won't happen by itself. To the point about uh, uh, allowing the market to work, well, the market is, is being intervened with uh, by every large economy country. Uh, there are incentives offered by Ch Japan, by the European nations, uh, by the South Koreans, and, and now by the Chinese Communist Party to locate these uh, chip fabricating plants on their own soil. Uh, like a governor needs to entice businesses into his or her own state, we need to entice uh, these, these companies to invest uh, their profits into the United States of America if we're going to have access to these mission-critical uh, uh, components. Uh, I wish uh, the market were uh, allowed to operate freely, but it's never operated entirely freely, and it's our job as policymakers not to apply uh, an idealistic textbook uh, economic model, but instead to look at the world as it is, to develop policy uh, around uh, that, that real world. And in this case, we've sort of laid out why it's necessary uh, to uh, incentivize companies to invest in semiconductor fabrication here on American soil. Senator Sinema, there's been a rush in part to do this because of national security, which you both have indicated. Um, but there's new concerns that uh, by the administration that perhaps China is advancing plans to invade Taiwan. Of course, Taiwan is a, a key manufacturer of semiconductors. Was this part of the uh, briefings that you received from the administration or the rationale from the administration that you have heard as a reason why this needs to be moved expeditiously? Well, I first want to challenge the um, allegation that this was has been rushed because <laughs> as Todd and I can tell you, we've been working on this for over two years. So actually he and I both have expressed some frustration about how long it's taken. You know, the Senate passed the original CHIPS piece of legislation um, quite some time ago and then followed it up with um, the Endless Frontier legislation, which of course Todd was the key sponsor on. And I have been strongly supportive and a co-sponsor of both of those bills. The reality is, is that our legislation was holed up in a conference committee where it languished. And even before that, it was waiting in the House for action. And so the reality is that this has actually taken a really long time. And what we did last week, um, when Todd and I joined together and rallied our colleagues in the United States Senate to move this bill quickly, was not responding to a rush, but instead addressing the fact that the bill has languished for some time and that unfortunately, petty partisan politics were slowing down this incredibly important piece of legislation. That's important, again, for domestic economic issues, but also for national security issues. And so we don't feel like this was rushed. We feel like this was well, long over. 
Right. Yeah, no, and I totally get that. I just mean in the past couple months, because it has been such a long process, so let me clarify, because it has been going on for so long, the administration has really urged Congress to kind of get their act together, which we'll, yeah, I'm going to ask you about a little bit later on and how it finally came together in the last few weeks. But to get this done, because there is such an urgent national security uh, component to it, I know Senator Schumer organized an all-senator briefing a couple of weeks ago to home in on that message. And so is the concern of, you know, the tensions with China um, part of the equation here? Well, certainly, whenever you're talking about shortening your supply chain and addressing your own needs at a domestic level, that usually comes from two, two distinct purposes. One is to shore up your own economic security and independence, which we do need to do. And second is to ensure that we are no longer reliant on foreign sources that may not have the same interests that we do geopolitically. And of course, we face that not just in the semiconductor space, but in other spaces as well. It is true that, as, as you mentioned, Senator Schumer and Senator Cantwell brought us all together for a, uh, a classified briefing several weeks ago. During that briefing, we learned about some of the geopolitical concerns and threats that we are facing. And it helped create a greater sense of urgency, I hope, in both the House and the Senate um, to do what Todd and I have been working on for a couple of years, which is to help everyone see how important and how urgent this is. Um, the good news is that we were able to respond to that quickly and I expect by the end of the week, our bill is going to be on the president's desk. Great. Uh, yeah, Senator. Think, Leanne, if I could just yeah, uh, chime in. And I, I think Kirsten did a great job, uh, as she th has throughout this effort, communicating uh, the importance of getting this done. I think so many of our colleagues uh, had internalized uh, from business people and uh, from many of their employees, the importance of making these investments. I, um, I know that every legislator in the state of Indiana has heard from the GM employees and, and, and management I mentioned earlier. I may have said Ford, so my apologies to those good workers. But um, listen, I, I, I think the thing that had not been emphasized enough, and we got in this classified briefing, was just how mission critical this is uh, to our national security. Uh, to our, our, our weapon systems, to making sure that, uh, you know, that the Chinese government uh, doesn't make a march on, on Taiwan or uh, otherwise trying to distort the free market uh, in this sector as they have others so that uh, they would put any chip makers located here in the U.S. out of business. And uh, they came uh, to understand in recent weeks because these classified briefings were held uh, that uh, this is a national security imperative. Great. Senator Young, I want to follow up from with an audience question from Jelly, uh, Jerry Villancourt from Connecticut, who asks, um, the Chinese government opposes chips, this legislation, I think this person is re referring to. What retaliation would you expect from Beijing and might it escalate into a Cold War-like arms race? Is there any concern about that? Senator I can Young? say that we, we've known for uh, a number of months, really for a, a, about a year, that the Chinese Communist Party officially opposes this legislation. Don't take it from me uh, that the Chinese embassy here in Washington sent letters out to uh, American business executives indicating that they should lobby against this legislation because it could hurt their future business interests. So there have been some uh, not too veiled business threats 
targeted at, at American businesses. It's unclear exactly uh, what you know what, what what the Chinese government might do. It's hard to imagine it could be much worse than the status quo, though. Uh, the Chinese government has been stealing intellectual property, forcing technology transfer, distorting markets, and and um, uh, really undermining our our national economic interests for some period of of time. And and uh, this is something that, in concert with our partners and allies around the world, uh, will be uh, a multi generational product trying to uh, a project trying to bring the Chinese Communist Party their, through their state capitalist system into a position of better behavior. Mm -hmm. Senator Sinema, uh, this legislation, I, I want to move on briefly, unless you really want to, you can address the last question after this question, if you don't mind. Um, this bill does a lot more than than just chips manufacturing. There's a science component, tens of billions of dollars for science and technology. One thing um, that you were instrumental on was the space component, um, including longevity in the International Space Space Program. There's news today that Russia is backing out of its partnership with the United States um, on the International Space Program in 2024. Does this legislation enable the United States to move forward with the International Space Program, even if our partners like Russia really do uh, back out? I'm really glad that you've mentioned the other elements of the bill because Todd and I really worked hand in hand to ensure that this legislation was as robust as possible to address all of our national security needs that we were available that were available to be addressed in this legislation. So, as some folks know, in the last um, Congress, I served as the ranking Democrat on the Space and Aviation Subcommittee, and we worked um, carefully. Uh, Senator Cruz and I and others um, worked carefully to reauthorize NASA and to ensure that the mission of space exploration continued so that the US continued to be a dominant figure in space exploration and the future of space. So the good news is that this legislation does include that reauthorization and does enable NASA and our private partners in, in the domestic community to continue working um, to ensure that we are not only maintaining our foothold in space, but expanding that foothold um, as we move to the future. And Leanne, I also want to note that the legislation also includes major investments in STEM research through the National Science Foundation, through creation of 10 tech hubs throughout the country, so we can move into tomorrow's technology to make us more competitive, not just domestically, but globally. And that includes, of course, continuing research into the work we're doing in space. So making sure that this legislation uh, not only ensured that we were creating those investments in microchips and semiconductor processing, but also seeing the holistic view of moving forward with technology and science to ensure that we are competitive domestically and globally for the future is really, really critical. So I feel confident that we'll be able to move forward with um, our space work um, in a really progressive and an aggressive way um, with many partners that we share around the globe. Yeah, you mentioned the tech hubs. There's 10 tech hubs that are going to be built around the country. And from what Schumer said today at his press conference, it's not going to be Los Angeles or San Francisco. There are going to be other parts of the country. Do either of you expect to have one of those tech hubs in your state? Senator sure. Cinema, let's start with you first. I sure hope so. You know, Arizona is well poised to be a place of, for a tech hub. 
we are already home to, in addition um, to Arizona State, NAU, and U of A, which are all doing incredible work around technology and science, we're home to some major corporations that are doing really innovative work around technology. So we'll be working hard to get one of those tech hubs in Arizona. And I think it's a good fit um, based on the work we're already doing in the state. Mm-hmm. Senator Young, what about you? Do you expect oh, one in Indiana? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think we ought to be a top tier contender for one of those tech hubs. I'm really excited to see what the applications look like. I, I know our state is already hitting the ground running as it relates to uh, applying for such designation. Maybe it'll be in hypersonics. Uh, maybe it'll be in synthetic biology. We have a lot of resident uh, expertise there between ag and, and, and pharma life sciences. Perhaps it'll be autonomous systems uh, utilizing uh, the expertise that we've gotten with the constellation of businesses located around uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. So the possibilities uh, are are really exciting to me and and should be uh, to so many Hoosiers. I I do think it's really important to emphasize because we're running out of time here that we would not have a plus to the CHIPS plus larger innovation package if it weren't for the efforts of, of my Democratic colleague here. Kirsten Cinema uh, is someone I approached. I knew she believed in this vision. Uh, I knew it was very important to her, to the country, and to the state. And so I approached her. I knew I could count on, on Kirsten to help me line up the votes and, and get this across the line. And we're headed for success here in coming days. Yeah, because I wanted also take a step back about that bigger picture because, you know, really briefly, Senator Young, because we are running out of time, but this bill was headed in the traditional route, old school Congress legislating. The Senate passed their bill. The House passed their bill. It was different. House and Senate came together in a conference committee to work out the differences. But at that point, the process fell apart. Why did that happen? Briefly, please. (laughs) Uh, listen, we were we were running out of time. Um, the Republican side, uh, through leadership, was uh, looking to work the clock as we ran out out the time. Understandably, both sides do it. Um, Senator Schumer, who uh, is the other primary sponsor, introducer of this legislation, uh, knew that uh, he wanted to get something done. So he became, uh, I think, understandably a little anxious as we approached the finish line. I reassured him that uh, we could get the Republican votes. He asked for a firm commitment of 20 votes. Uh, Kirsten and I were able to whittle that down uh, to 15. I actually give Kirsten all the credit there. And um, we went around and held a a series of meetings, conversations, text messages, late nights, early mornings, and uh, Kirsten and I got the votes. Mm -hmm. We delivered them on a silver platter to the Senate Majority Leader, and this is why we have major investments, not just in chips, but in these panoply of other technologies that'll be essential to our national security and to the economy in the 21st century. Yeah, for a minute there, this legislation had been whittled down to just a a $52 billion CHIPS program with some tax credits. And now, as you mentioned, it's about a $280 billion program with all the science and technology components as well. Since we only have two minutes left, and I have you both here. I have to ask about another topic um, that you are also working on, Senator Cinema, which is the marriage equality legislation. Um, you are working to find enough votes to get 60 votes in the Senate to pass that. Senator Schumer said just you know moments ago that they don't seem to have the votes because of absences due to COVID. Is he suggesting that if everyone was present and in the Senate, that there would in fact be 
60 votes. Uh, you are counting those votes right now. What's the status? Well, that's a question for Leader Schumer because I didn't say that. Um, so you'll have to ask him what he meant. What I can tell you is I'm working closely with Senators Portman and Senators Tillis, and we are working to earn the votes to pass this legislation because we believe this is a settled issue for Americans across the country. And we'd like to see Congress settle it and move on and get back to the work of ensuring that we are preparing our country for a strong economy and that we are prepared um, globally to be competitive. So we continue to work. Um, and when we've got the votes, we'll be sure to tell folks. How close are you? I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> Senator Young, the next question is, do you on the same topic, though? Is this something that you could support? Has Senator Cinema yeah, approached you about your vote? He might be out of time, Leanne. <laughs> so I, I, I've had great conversations uh, with Kirsten, uh, with Rob Portman, uh, and frankly, with a lot of my constituents on, on both sides of this issue. And, you know, I, I, I will volunteer to uh, anyone who might be listening that um, the, the, the fact that we have government, you know, our federal government sanctioning some marriages and not others, and frankly, sanctioning marriage altogether, uh, I don't think is an optimal situation. So uh, my preference is, is, is to find some sort of third way. Absent that, um, you know, I'll, I'll look, it appears uh, I'll have to be weighing in one way or the other. And, and uh, I, I have a long track record of, of communicating my, my, my views on this issue. Uh, so they're, they're a source of, of, of public record. And um, I will, uh, I'll be studying the legislation in detail uh, as soon as it comes uh, before the Senate and the House for a consideration. But right now, we've got to get this innovation bill uh, across the finish line. And uh, I'm, I'm just uh, doing everything I can to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, the ball goes into the end zone from the one yard line. That's right. Senator Sinema, Senator Young, as you both mentioned, this legislation could be on the president's desk by the end of the week. Uh, one more vote in the Senate, final passage, likely tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us today to talk about this legislation that uh, is hopefully much clearer and people can understand it a lot more after our conversation. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. 